if there's any trend or movement that needs to be supported, I think that's off-grid electrification in all the markets where people have no access to energy or clean energy, because that unlocks great human capabilities. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. I'm excited to actually have uh, Rick Tehun from Solar Plaza. We're actually here in Bogota, Colombia for the Alfatura Solar Colombia. And he's actually, a, it's, is it program coordinator? Is that the official? You can call it project manager, program coordinator. It comes down that I'm the guy that sure. runs the show. <laughs> runs the show, yes. <laughs> it says on actually your website, project manager, emerging markets and finance. So Yes. Well, it basically trickles down to covering the markets that are, that are hot, that are developing, that are about to happen from Asia up to Latin America. And I have a specific focus on Latin America in this uh, sense because I'm uh, really fluent in Spanish. Sí. <laughs> ¿Por Rick, qué? Sí, Rick, habla español un poco. Yeah. Me, me llamo Rick. <laughs> but I have other skills, apparently, that does work out, but it is a handicap, definitely, to not speak Spanish. Even for me, I'm, I have a working knowledge of Spanish, so it's interesting at these conferences because it's a lot more technical. So that's where, like, it's obviously great that you have the translators and where you could listen mm. to the headphones because... Sometimes I'll try to actually listen, and then you just get totally lost. Yeah. So it's, uh, you will lose the, the, the story, or you will not tune in anymore. Tune in because more. <laughs> I do understand a bit what, what people are saying, but I don't have the, how say, the savviness in, in the language, so I cannot respond. I'm, I'm struggling for words. I'll stumble. I, it's terrible. I should really learn Spanish. Let's put it. Yeah, definitely. Me too as well. I'm hoping to improve on my Spanish skills. And actually, Rick's company, Solar Plaza, basically organizes solar conferences all over the world, not just in South America. And, you know, I had the opportunity actually to meet Rick back in April at their conference that they had in Buenos Aires. I was really impressed by the content and the work that Solar Plaza does. And Rick obviously worked on a lot of that. So it's, it's kind of really exciting to have his perspective because obviously they're focused on looking at, you know, emerging markets for solar and countries. So I'm always asking him, and they're very well connected and bring a great group of people together. So, yeah, it's being out there, showing your face, connecting with people, learning from them, listening to what people are doing, making the mental notes of that and trying to help people. Sure. Because at the end of the day, we as a PV industry are quite small. Well, let's be honest, like we're tiny as can be. And we are very pragmatic. We need to go open. We need to go to new places, new countries, new, new, new segments, new markets. And if you can help that, stimulate that, then, then you should. Yeah, and it's crazy, even for me, being in Colombia at the conference, I bumped into people that I know within the solar True. space, which is Michelle DiCapio, who's an, a developer in Colombia. He used to actually work in New York. And then Esteban Angel from Javelin Capital, who I know through friends in New York. So it's crazy how it's a small world. There was also a U.S. developer who's trying to develop here, and we had a lot of mutual contacts. It's amazing how small it is in the solar industry and the space, not just domestically, but internationally, and the same same people. True, are in true. It, so. there, there, definitely in Latin America, there's a core of people going around, mostly Spanish-based people, Spanish-originating uh, project developers. They went to Latin America when the Spanish market went down. So they are running around over Latin America. But every year you see new people entering in Latin America because there's more and more happening over here. 
and of course there's enough appetite and potential of, of in these markets. Definitely. Uh, they, they have size, they have population sizes, they have industrial capacity, they have energy demand, growing energy demand. They struggle, as in Colombia, with climate change like the El Nino effects that, that worsen every time. It's happening. Oh, definitely. I mean, obviously, you have high solar radiance being in Latin America, high electricity costs, the El Nino effect. Most of the listeners probably don't know what you're talking about. But if you could talk about basically most of the generation renewables are hydro and it's dependent on rain and there's droughts, which then cause basically prices. Exactly. I think the, the 2014 was one of the most severe ones, if I recall correctly. I think close to 70% of the country runs on hydropower. The water levels drop below 25%, so they have to cut back. There's a sincere risk of blackouts in the next Nino year. So people are ultra aware of it. There's a big need for new capacity, and then solar is easy to ramp up, of course, and to make it up and uh, install and get going. And can you talk about how you got into the solar space and then talk about Solar Plaza? Obviously, I gave a, a brief introduction to it. Yeah, well, uh, and the, Solar Plaza is based actually in Rotterdam, yeah, in, in Holland. That's where the main headquarters is. But they do events pretty much all over the U.S. Literally, oh, the world, sorry. yeah, literally from Japan to Chile, from South Africa to Denmark. We've been to all the corners of the world, <laughs> yeah. still doing so and exploring new corners of the world. Uh, sometimes very dark corners of the world you end up in. <laughs> but at the end of my of my academic life, I would say, of my study years, um, an opportunity arose to become a franchise partner in an, in a company that does energy efficiency and generation as a sort of one-stop shop solution so it was as a subscription fee almost i would say to decrease energy use and then slowly start saving more and more and more and then becoming energy independent in the end was the whole idea of it so i got acquainted with energy efficiency and energy generation then you run into the solar the beauty of solar pv which is no moving parts it's reliable steady it is the unique effect of being scalable it's super unique and that's scalable you can make it tiny Africa off-grid rural electrification. Sure. And you can make it big. 100 megawatts plants. And that's the beauty of solar PV. It's, it's so applicable in everywhere, globally. Definitely. And then that got me hooked. After a few years, uh, somebody actually notified me, like, oh, there's this position coming up in Solar Plaza. It was focused on, on Africa back then. Uh, so the, the solar PV markets in Africa, trying to stimulate them. And, well, this friend actually said, like, this fits you. This is you running a conference, getting people together, giving insights on the country, working on market reports, and getting markets forward. So I, I immediately applied, and apparently they also saw the fit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Quite essential, like, that they also like, ah, this, this might work. Yes, definitely. Um, so I've been in that emerging markets and finance team uh, ever since, and that's basically, that runs from PV trade mission, so you go five days in that in a new market, like Vietnam or in Argentina in the past, to more solid marks where you can do a two-day conference or something but uh, definitely yeah and nowadays it's latin america for me which is uh, of course time-wise not ideal sure it means long days when latin america wakes up it's in the afternoon for us but uh, it is very very rewarding De- you pull this off yeah definitely i mean they did a great job and you know it was amazing to get all the different industry mm-hmm. participants government yeah. entities and one thing that I noticed, and Rick and I were talking about this before, is everyone was being very transparent about the market. And usually when you go to conferences, it's very fluffy. Yeah. And, but people were really being very transparent, yeah. and which I really enjoyed. And thank you for having me as in the panel related to international financing. True. And, it's the appetite that you try to awake with a real picture. Like, you cannot fake it. You cannot fake a market being abundance uh, with opportunities for solar energy because people will find out sooner or later oh, and it's yeah, just definitely. a waste of time and efforts 
probably also money. I, I'm with you on this page that it was realistic, open. People were very open. We share the same concerns, issues. And as you also rightly said in the, in, in the panel discussion, like, but there is appetite from international players and investors, but we need to have some basic structures that work for, work. for everybody. Definitely. Internally, nationally, and internationally. internationally. Definitely. Yeah, just focusing on the Colombia market, like why at this point has there not been a lot of solar developed? Uh, the renewable energy law was passed in 2014. Back then, my company went to Colombia with a renewable energy or PV trade mission, sure. solar energy trade mission. It took some time before actually policy <laughs> <laughs> became something that's actually a regulation Definitely. or something. And it took a very long time. Colombia had some hard times, yeah, like the whole peace process with the FARC, etc. That was a priority of the previous president. Sure. And that was, I think, pretty underlined when the new incumbent or the new president was to be inaugurated, I think in September or something. And the week before it was inaugurated, they passed the regulation on renewable energy. Like the week Interesting. before. Like, so, so it was sort of like they gave the new president, like, do something with this. Because yeah, we passed a law like a couple of years ago, nothing has happened. happened sure. Now go. And yeah, within the new president, like within 100 days, they wanted to launch a PV auction, solar auction or renewable energy auction, which is a bit over-optimistic <laughs> to do it within 100 days. If you have nothing, if you come from nothing, that's uh, very optimistic. But that definitely, that auction scheme sort of warrants interest from, from international players when you speak about development banks or, sure. or IPPs. And then, in parallel, they have this very, very attractive distributed generation market. Definitely. Bilateral PPAs are actually happening here. 12-year, 15-year bilateral PPAs. Like. Which are great, which are financeable, which are, as we talked about in the panel, yeah. international financiers will be comfortable with, De- with strong credit-rated entities. Exactly. You see it in Latin America, uh, also Southeast Asia, as well in Africa. Like The utilities that you're going to sell your energy to, they are not credit-worthy. They can be backed by government, but... That's just a, <laughs> sort of a debt loop of filling uh, holes in, in somebody's uh, balance sheet. And that's interesting. So definitely here also goes that, that yeah, Bellato PPA with a corporate offtake, why not? It's, it's very attractive for, for the offtaker and for the provider. And the provider, the, yeah, definitely. definitely. And it's on site and it's a discount to their current cost of electricity. Exactly. So it's an easy sell too as well to the customer. Exactly. So. And, and yeah, well, it is a sign of the market that you actually see in this market where the install capacity is uh, about 10 megawatts, and they have a big project coming up from Inel soon. But uh, people are already signing by little PPA of 12, 15 years. That's quite a mature sign of a PV market. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's interesting because you kind of went straight to bilateral PPAs. Then usually some sort of tender basically starts off the process. Usually what I've seen yeah. in countries, some sort of utility or government agency. So. There's a bigger incentive scheme that kicks off something, and then it slowly trickles down into distributed generation, rooftop PV, and everything. But here, like we, we're passing that uh, that stage of the auction scheme sure. because well, we will dig into it, but because <laughs> it is not that attractive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no, Angus is like, hmm, let's look for something else, and you will find willing offtakers then. Which is, of course, it loops then back into like a question, like if you have the willing offtake, which is credit-worthy energy demand, if they all switch to Bilal PPA, then the utilities have a bigger problem than they already face. Oh, definitely. So it's sort of like push-pull? What, what, yeah, what it's do push-pull. I- it's interesting because you're basically taking the utilities business and it's whether they want to offer these services to their customers or risk losing them, which you know we've seen in the U.S., depending on the utility they react differently based on that. Some have a weird spasm about PV and then... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess they're so focused on the way they've made money for years that 
it's hard for them to kind of grasp what's kind of coming next. Yeah, and at the end of the day, no matter how hard they make it to develop renewable energy projects, specifically solar, you're not going to stop it in the long term. So, yeah, the, uh, the, in the stories panel we just discussed as well, the electricity market is so rigid and developed, or how it is nowadays is how we intended it, like... Decades ago, <laughs> Edison will be proud of us, but that's, a, that's not the energy market that we should need at the moment. And Definitely. It looks into flexible flexibility, uh, well, the duck curve. And what oh, yeah, definitely. We, we shouldn't assess PV or, or qualified PV on its ability to meet the, the current status quo in the energy market because that's redundant, I think. Definitely, and it'll completely change, obviously, as you get more renewable energy, which is intermittent, when storage becomes more economical, and then storage, there's a lot of things that you could do to take advantage of answer service, peak demand yeah. reduction, peak shaving, capacity True. coming online it, it, in it, a very short order. If Everybody's so. becoming more savvy or more capable of controlling their energy demand and use and how you want to do yeah. it, and that's good. No, it's great. I mean, it's exciting time to be in the energy space, specifically solar, also in the merging markets, because there's a lot of economic opportunity that's created based on having renewable resources. And most companies and businesses, their biggest expense, or one of their biggest expenses <laughs> is energy, and they're able to lower their costs and use renewables at the same time. So. And, and zero control over it, like prices... You have no control of the price, what will yes, happen. Like that's it's true. out of your control. So that Balayo PPA is probably also quite interesting for Colombians, but across the globe, of course. But Definitely. making it work is a yeah. challenge. It was kind of interesting for me, like learning about the El Nino at the conference and the volatility of the electricity prices. So specifically in Colombia, to have more stability in your electricity price using solar energy, it's a huge... Like during El Nino effects, like the, the severe ones, prices, they... Tenfold they go, easily. And that's incomprehensible. Like, why would you have such volatility or run such a risk? Risk, yes. And, and you do see, like, there's a vested interest in the country when it comes to the energy market and the matrix and dynamics. But it will change. It need to change. Definitely. And the awareness is greater than ever, I think, on the energy side. Sure. I think also on public side, civic organizations are more vocal about it. And you have a great PV community in this country, PV yeah. industry, that's really trying to get things forward because as you said like they're open they're transparent they know what they run into they're vocal really vocal about the things that they don't <laughs> like yeah we'll move forward yeah definitely well can you talk about the tender yeah that's obviously what everyone you know yeah. wanted to hear about and that was a big thing with the workshop and obviously the two days tuesday and wednesday and you had government officials as well talking about the tender yeah, the tender should be, was planned to launch end of November, so this was sort of spot-on timing-wise. It got, I think, early November, it got delayed. It was also quite a weird timeline, so mid-November they would uh, sort of like select the pre-qualified bidders, and sure. January 2nd they would announce the winners. Who wants to go to, <laughs> who wants to be in a meeting on January 2nd to know if you won a what tender? Are, yes. That's, uh, also with Christmas time, it's probably countries on the stand still. And it was not a good framework that they presented. So there were exactly. lots of comments on the issues, on the specifics of the PPA that runs from, it was Colombian pesos denominated, Tenure is only 10 years, which is very short. There was a 10% average energy production that needed to be available all the time. Yeah. Doesn't happen when you're that intermittent as solar and, uh, sure. and wind also is. And then the, one of the, for me at least, what I understood is one of the biggest concerns, like that off-taker guarantee, because like you were dealing with a, an off-take, so an either an energy trade or a utility, 
but you don't know beforehand who will buy your buy energy. energy yes. Try to assess that risk. <laughs> <laughs> Based on credit rating, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Like, you yes. cannot do it. Because there's Electric Caribe is uh, close to bankruptcy. It's uh, out uh, for sale. <laughs> like, you can buy it if you have some dollars laying around. I wouldn't recommend buying that one. But sure. For example, you end up with that. That will affect all your financing terms. And then you're stuck with a product that might not be that viable. viable. Or in the first place, yeah. So yeah, this, so there were all critical elements that they said they would address, so that's why they extended the whole framework of the sure. timeline, which is, if they do for the right reason, it's a good thing. So Definitely. As far as I understood from the ministry as well, during the workshop, it was reiterated, they are dead on for that Q1, end of Q1, and they only addressed a couple of their concerns. Definitely. We were in a, in a closed-door setting, and the ministry had a, one of their managers on the regulatory side uh, send over, uh, credits to the uh, to Camilo to be involved in this because he knows what the critical sure. points are, and then you have an international group of financiers, developers, investors over, and uh, they say like, yeah, if with such a framework you will not be successful, and then it bounces back the question like, what is actually success? success. That's what actually what we boil down to. Like, what do you consider success? What do you want to achieve with this sure. auction? And then yeah, it, it is an energy auction. They just want to have new capacity. Uh, by 2022, I think. December? Yes, the so COD yeah. 2022, yes. And it can be any form of energy. energy. It doesn't have to be PV. It doesn't have to be wind. Sure. It doesn't have to be renewable energy. It can be anything. It can be coal, even. Yeah, definitely. That was not a shocker. In the beginning of November, I was made aware of this energy auction, how it was sure. actually set up. And I thought, like, yeah, that's not super attractive for solar energy because you have a quite a tight competition going on in this country that's so reliant on hydro, that's so reliant on thermal, where you are completely new with all the vested uh, market players, the established market players sure. betting on other sources of energy. Like, yeah. That's competition to face. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the good things are from the whole session that they change some elements. So the 10% is completely uh, out. So that's technically it is viable again to... For intermittent power. Like yeah, exactly, solar. To, to bid with... with because, solar. like, for example, solar obviously is not producing energy at night. So to say that you have to have power or energy being produced 24 hours doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Any amount. So. And then... Would you add batteries to PV power plant or something to make that requirement? Sure. They made it more complicated than needed it to be. Sure. So luckily they addressed that one, but the others are still there. So we yeah, st- definitely. So we still have an energy agreement, a PPA with uh, in Colombian pesos. So you run a, quite a currency risk there. It's still only ten years. The offtaker will not be known beforehand because uh, offtakers will also bid in, in sure. sort of like a reverse bidding scheme as well. Like, I w- I'm willing to buy this energy for a certain price, yeah. and they try to match that. It is a bit of a complicated market, I would say. It's definitely complicated, <laughs> especially the reverse auction. But, and <laughs> yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted, and you need to be, yeah, well... Well, Rick, it's great to hear about Colombia, but obviously you focus as well on Latin America, and you talk about some of the similarities and differences between... PV in other Latin American countries and Colombia, and specifically too, like what markets you think there are a lot of opportunities for, mm. for development? I think in general, when you look at Latin America, uh, Colombia is quite late to the party. New Angel Lord from years ago, but they are late. You have these very interesting markets like Mexico with ultra low prices and super competitive. You have a Chile that was one of the first ones in Latin America that's slowed down because they cannot allocate more renewable energy or solar energy specifically. What I find very, like, a country or market that's near to me is Argentina. I've been going there for three years in a row now. 
you see it happening, becoming something from a non-existing PV market. Sure, that's uh, exciting. Uh, to a first tender, <laughs> and then every year you can discuss more, like yeah. you know, maybe a bit more DG, bilateral PPAs are also coming sure. up, and and then you have that whole yeah, the macro environment, which is not so positive for Argentina at the moment. Oh, They're definitely. going to a very rough time, sadly enough. For me, in my position, my job, is the biggest delight. You run into these people that you've been meeting with, speaking with, once in a while, you have a phone call, you plan a conference sure. call to just, please update me, what are you doing? What keeps you busy? What do you run into? Definitely. Uh, can I help in some way? Maybe with an easy connection? Sure. It's easiest to be done. Eh? Like, just, I will shoot an email over, introduce you to this person, maybe he can help. And then you can sort of, yeah, you attach yourself to the market, to the success of the market, because you want everybody to be successful, because you see local project developers, you see them working hard, putting all the efforts in, putting all their blood, sweat, and tears in. And then, <laughs> hell, you, you know it probably better than anyone. Oh, like, definitely. It is tough to be a project developer. It so. is. There's a lot of ups and downs and frustrations, government policy yeah. as well, and to make educate financiers and the customer and depends. So, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart, and definitely it's something that you have to keep ongoing and be very passionate about what you're doing, I feel like to meet the developers who are truly successful and getting a lot developed. Exactly. You, you want project developers, in essence, to be successful in what they're doing. Like, a good project developer deserves all the success. Sure. And if that's in South Carolina or, or in Chile <laughs> or anywhere else, because they are moving stuff. Like, they're all entrepreneurs. A lot of them are, like, doing it on their own, start probably of pioneering by themselves even. Yes. And it's tough because the development life cycle of these projects can take a year, more than a year, two years, three years easily. Yeah. And that's only once the project gets complete, really, or notice to proceed, depending on how things are structured. <laughs> it's a very long process till you actually get paid in the development cycle. So Yeah, as you mentioned before, you are sometimes, yeah, the play, the play ball in the scheme, like regulation can change, governments can change, you can suddenly find a new president that's maybe not so keen on renewable energy. Yes. It happens, <laughs> it happens in the USA happens. sometimes, yeah, in Brazil. Like Seriously, <laughs> it's been interesting that, like, obviously, you're talking about President Trump and President Obama, very different views on renewable energy, climate change. Different kind of people different as well. Different kind of people as well, <laughs> yes. Different personalities, that's for yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the reality. And then that loops back into, like, we are an industry that's growing. We're not, like, a major industry compared to other industries, like uh, Manan of GTM showed the, he sure. was the opening analysis. Like, when you look at downstream oil and gas and all the investments going into renewables, like, we're not there yet. Definitely not, uh, yeah. But at least you have all this, this, this critical mass, there's all these developers trying to make it happen. The long-term headwinds, obviously, renewables, specifically solar, it's going to take over the electricity mix. Obviously, you're going to still have a diverse electricity mix, but substantially could be solar, and it's solar so scalable compared to other technologies. I've developed biomass, landfill gas, hydro. Why? What would you make be makes it difficult? Well, well, that's why now Renew Energy just purely (laughs) focuses on solar energy and storage, obviously. But it's funny because people always try to bring me back And I'm like, no, sorry, solar is just such a big opportunity and it's so scalable. And no matter what, it's a burgeoning industry, we're already seeing the exponential growth. Yeah, it's straightforward energy. Yeah, straightforward. Cannot get any more straightforward than this panel inverter. (laughs) It's it's so simple. (laughs) (laughs) Almost too simple. It's too simple. (laughs) Unfortunately, the permitting, financing, working with the utilities, government entities, that's what actually makes it 
yeah, but complicated. Because the electricity market is designed for a very complicated, not for the well-being of a whole community sure. uh, kind of energy source. Well, solar PV can be a very nice community-driven or, oh, or individual-driven. It's being assessed on this on this tool set that was designed for I don't know thermal plants, definitely hydropower plants. Sure, to make it more complicated, like uh, yeah. Yeah, and I know you mentioned this a little bit too. Um, can you talk a little bit about Mexico? Um, yeah. And then you mentioned obviously Brazil has been a good market. Obviously, they have a new president who is not as keen on renewables as the prior. Mm-hmm. President, can you talk about those two markets briefly? Yeah, both are interesting for, for international developers, investors, local developers, of course, because they have this immense size. These countries are so big. The energy demand is so high that they are on, on everybody's radar. Both of the countries did some really interesting auction rounds, Mexico being ridiculously successful in, when you look at price and, yeah. and megawatts awarded. In October, I went to Mexico. Solar Plaza had an event yeah. last month, actually, right? In Mexico City, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, in Mexico City, beginning of October, on, on solar asset management. So we run a solar asset management event also in, in North America, in San Francisco, which is it focuses on the operational life of PV plants sure. and all the elements that come with it. So refinancing, insurance, technical, uh, repowering, uh, everything, all these data analytics. Yes. All these things going on, and then you see that also happening in Mexico, which is a market that learned incredibly quick. Like within two years, they have a very established, strong PV industry where that's very competitive. But also, they have had an election. The new president is coming in on December seven, I think. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's, he's cuckoo, but he has some different views than uh, than uh, normal, straightforward sure. uh, thinking presidents would have. Like they're constructing a an airport. 13 billion dollars I think uh-huh. and he stopped it just said we're not gonna build wow. any brick more we're just gonna wait or reassess or yeah. we'll never continue it you have half an airport built definitely that's that, pretty crazy it's pretty ballsy as well yeah, ballsy <laughs> as well no but then uh, to bring it back to PV uh, we, Mexico has this of course also all these the natural resources are there once again it has that marketplace that is uh, sort of privatized there's one state utility that owns the distribution and transmission but the rest is quite open you can sure. buy and sell energy it is an interesting market and it will continue growing for the coming years because there's so much potential yeah, definitely. Um, it reached that solar market parity point where it's cheaper than other energy sure. sources so you're the cheapest one on the block so you, you will be the go-to energy oh yeah definitely and you talked about this as well like yeah. actually I think um, GTM mentioned about the yeah. most recent auctions for Mexico I think it was what two and a half cents or yeah no two point two two point two cents which is lower than your fossil fuel so as Rick was saying we're not far from grid parity I mean really it's pretty interesting I mean there's no incentives other than the long term power exactly, purchase yeah. agreement which is pretty amazing to kind of see and then the install cost in Mexico are pretty low and then as well the solar radiance meaning the amount of sun that you can convert in your panels is higher there so it's pretty exciting to kind of hear true like the potential is huge and uh, they're tapping into it and they they scratch the surface with some energy auction and it's happening countrywide so that will continue to grow as a market it's inevitable if you're that cheap and if you're that yeah your lead time so you construct a PV plant within months if you have everything set up well from licensing to permits and the logistics so nobody will ever build a new coal plant because sure. that takes a couple of years. Who knows what soda will do in two years? Oh, yeah, will be. So that's a bigger play of things at the moment where yeah. PV comes but, in. It's really 
And that's why you're not seeing, obviously, construction of coal plants. And interesting enough, too, this is actually a great transition. Storage as well will change that, too, because you just talk about three to four years, I think you're going to see a substantial decrease in lithium-ion, specifically batteries, where it could make it more economical. True. We're here in Colombia. We try to cover PV plus storage. We have a panel discussion on it with the transmission company. It's a public company, the biggest one in in Colombia. And they are miles ahead of what I was even conceiving. Like, what would be possible? Colombia is having an auction scheme next year for storage in the grid. Which is amazing. If you consider, like, most countries are just focused on solar. There's not many tenders or RFPs or proposals for storage. And even the U.S., it's not that popular yet. And it's just amazing. I was blown away as well hearing from him. Exactly. That was for me like, whoa, an eye-opener. And, yeah. and he righteously said, like, it's not that this is uh, tied to the PV revolution or something. No, we're just building a better grid. And that fits extremely well with renewable energy. Oh, so definitely. In grid services for storage. Like, I was like, what? So we're actually considering Colombia is not going that fast with the energy transition, uh, with the arc scheme not being that good, and it took some sure. time to make something work. And now suddenly storage comes up within... It looks like a couple of weeks. Which is pretty phenomenal, I mean. And, and obviously, like, storage is a great complement to the grid, and you're able to bring on capacity a lot quicker than your traditional sort of natural gas or peaker sort of yep. unit because it takes time for them to kind of start producing energy, whereas a battery almost instantaneously yeah. could well, provide. Yeah, dispatch within a millisecond With, or something. Yeah, like which is amazing. So. The technology coming into play. And that's also quite interesting when you look at the PV market. I'm involved from a PV perspective, but new innovations tie into it, come into the game, the greater game of the PV industry. We're part of an energy transition that's greater than just solar energy. And that's cool to also look into, be it from blockchain, storage, artificial intelligence. Electric vehicles yeah, as well, electrification. Electric vehicles. Everybody owns an electric vehicle, which is standing still most of the time. Consider connecting those to the grid. You have the biggest battery possible. You wouldn't need anything more. Yeah. I mean, there's really an energy transformation happening. And we're just really in the beginning of a very long, I think 50 years from now, things are going to be so different than what they are. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. You're right. And the technology, everything's getting so advanced and new inventions. And And the time to market is instant. Like you come up with an invention, you for my part, you throw it on Kickstarter and a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. later, people are you're done, you're, you're up and running. That's pretty exciting. What other markets outside of Latin America? I love talking to you about Vietnam and Philippines because they have high cost of electricity. Vietnam has like a PPA with, for 9.2, I think, yeah. US denominated cents. Like what other markets are, are you guys focused on? Because obviously to me, you want to go to the markets that there's real opportunities, right? Because then, so you have to be aware of all the different markets. And For example, when, we, when you speak, yeah, Philippines, Vietnam, Argentina, Colombia, these markets we all covered before actually going there for an event in a market report, market analysis sure. for, for private customers. So they ask us, like, can you look into the market? What does the framework look Definitely. like? And, and that's what we do. That kicked off some of these markets. Uh, and you're spot on with Vietnam and the Philippines. Like, these are industrial markets. They have high energy demand. It's incredible. They, they grow so fast. They have a lot of dirty coal, like a really dirty coal that they don't produce themselves. So they're importing it from Indonesia quite often. 
there's sort of this sense going on like we want to be energy independent, we want to be green, and it needs to be cheaper. Like, like take, let's take these boxes and go. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you need? If you yeah, actually definitely. want that, then, then I have a solution for sure. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but look here. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and besides of the PV potential, of course, they're great markets, they're ultra smart people, they know what they're doing. It can be complicated because you come in quite blur in this market. You don't, who do you know? And Sure. Yeah, you can pioneer your way in this market. That makes it probably also more exciting than... Uh, some of the markets that Definitely. are going around. <laughs> <laughs> and the food is also better. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I love the food in Vietnam, specifically yeah. the Philippines. And, uh, what other countries? I know you did work in Africa before. What other sort of countries are you guys paying attention to? I think Vietnam is spot on with that because, yeah, you know, it's that they have quite a tempting tariff out there that you need to grab before uh, June 30th. It's June 30th of next year, basically, the exactly. project has to be... COD. So exactly. there's a lot of pressure actually. We're actually seeing a lot of Vietnamese projects because of the deadline and there are two provinces we spoke about this before yeah. that they're able to get extensions and people, I don't know, in Vietnam are confident that yeah. they think that there'll be extensions for this current program, but we'll see. Exactly. Like um, the I, prime minister actually has changed since the initial program. So uh, And that was interesting because uh, when I went there on the trade mission it was sort of like uh, mentioned quite often that this prime minister was quite a pro-solar kind of guy. He <laughs> <laughs> was a pro-solar guy. And then, yeah, these extensions didn't really happen. People were sort of already fishing for them. I think it's Bintuan and Nintuan, like two major hot zones yes. from the resource level. And now you have a new premise, and he's apparently then it makes, it's quite a sensible move as well. If the second guy also is supporting this solar, solar surge. Yeah, solar. And that, that's, that's a positive note, but you're absolutely right. Projects need to be built, so... If you cannot find financiers, if you cannot find the right partner or co-developer or investor or project sponsor, sure. yeah, you need to go look for them. Definitely. So I or think the market is open. It's definitely open. As you said, it. the market is open now. If I, if I could have a choice, I would do the trade mission now. Yeah, definitely. Because then if you have a couple of months to build it, that's complicated. Uh, complicated. Oh, and then yeah. the Philippines is also lovely. You mentioned it. High energy tariff for commercial industrial off-takers. Sure. There's a big opportunity also for microgrids. Like on these island nations that run oh, on diesel. Absolutely. So I would say these two markets are top of mind, I think. And then, of sure. course, in Africa, there's a lot happening, but Africa has its own issues there that there's not enough projects actually going on. Because, uh, yeah, they don't have that energy demand that Southeast Asia sure. has. So there's no, not that much room for more capacity which definitely. can be dispatched. Who, yeah. would, who would take it? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's not you could build it and they will come. Yeah, There has it. to be usage yeah. of that electricity. Exactly. You need to so answer a need for energy. Yeah. And that goes for every emerging market. Answer a need for energy, either for cheaper energy or soon. Uh, soon sure. We need now new energy capacity. And then you can actually, actually develop. Do, do, yeah, develop. Yeah, that makes it interesting. And you can follow all the markets. And there's always something new coming up. And in Europe, we're speaking now about market parity. Like, uh, so, so without a PPA, you're starting to build your project, maybe. Sure. And that will be something. Oh, that would be huge. Yeah. And that's also partially happening in Mexico sure. where people that bid for an auction also attach quite a big merchant solar risk to it so solar that will just go to the sport market or you can sell to anybody, anybody else. else sure there will be always new opportunities coming once again it's an entrepreneurial market oh definitely these project developers across the globe are building their own success and their own empires of PV plants <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> and firstly they have a pipeline and hopefully they have also a portfolio soon but, yeah uh, definitely uh, yeah only very few developers are 
consistently successful mm-hmm. who are able to do it. That's interesting because it actually kind of goes into my next question. You're kind of mentioning trends, pricing projects based on not having a PPA and merchant pricing. What other trends are you seeing in solar that you think are worth discussing? If there's any trend or movement that needs to be supported, I think that's off-grid electrification, yes. rural electrification, in all the markets where people have no access to energy or clean energy, because that unlocks great human capabilities, sure. capacities uh, that you can start producing or, or joining the... Well, you can join Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can finally have internet if you would like that. But So that's one trend. It's not new, but it has been going really rapidly. There's, there's so much happening in that off-grid grid space where, where even private equity investors put money in these off-grid uh, providers in, in African countries that just sell home kits, like sure. small home kits. And those really answer a need. So uh, that, that's a, a topic I would strongly <laughs> support always. And I do think that it's not really PV related to the PV industry. It's, it plays in the energy industry is that AI component of energy. Sure. Like, like to have flexibility in energy demand and supply and AI, for example, also an operational phase of PV plants that you have so predictive maintenance and these kind of things. AI is, yeah, as in every industry. Every, so it's it's going to take over... Yeah, it's yeah, going to be like the Terminator. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. We can be very smart with PV, or we can be very smart developer. But you cannot be the good AI system. No, no, no. <laughs> it's here to take over. No. Yes. <laughs> no, but it's, it's definitely something that I think we're hearing a lot about, and true. it's getting a lot more sophisticated over time. True, true, it's true. Really. And then there, there, there's the soft innovation, like peer-to-peer energy training with sure. the blockchain to it and stuff like that. Like it, the prosumer, emergence of prosumers is awesome. It's daunting. It's This will change the energy matrix, but you have people being self-supplied, self-reliant on the energy side. Oh, right? yeah. Being smarter, maybe trade a bit of energy with the neighbors, for example, <laughs> with, a, with the AI system. You don't want to be stuck behind your computer for that. but Sure. Yeah, well, well, with blockchain, I think people are trying to do that a, a lot. lot. And then That's, yeah. I read today that uh, I think it's Capco, Korean uh, utility, the sure. biggest Korean utility. They are launching like a pilot blockchain, uh, I think, peer-to-peer platform as well. Oh, wow. So then you have a big utility doing it suddenly. That's well. pretty amazing. That's what utilities are doing in the Netherlands also. Like they're trying to become more than an energy provider, sure. a service provider in different elements because the energy business is, yeah, they don't make that much money anymore, the no, utilities. Definitely. Because they have the generation side, they have new sources coming up. Yeah. There are people doing smarter, better things than they ever did. Community solar is coming around the corner. Definitely, that's true. People putting panels on the roof, there goes your energy uh, demand. Yeah, basically utilities have to change their business model and they're adapting to the current environment, which is very different than what it's been the past 30, 40 True. And then that, that's the, but that's the thing. Like, you, you see all these things in... in established markets, solar markets, like that you see utilities are changing, and you encounter that in emerging markets where sure. utilities are also hesitant. What should we do? And I think there are two things you can do. You can either learn from utilities that are already through the transition and become Definitely. a better utility than you ever were, or you, you don't and you slowly sure. fade away. Fade away. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. So well, that's a gloomy note. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my prospect for a job in the utility business. <laughs> but it sounds like solar obviously been doing extremely well. You found your niche and you love being on stage and, and creating the content and communicating with the audience. I liked how you, um, at the end of each of the days, talk about the high-level sort of yeah. summary stuff. and uh, It's exciting yeah. because, you, you know, you, you're interviewing people. You, you're interviewing 
interesting people. You will interview even more interesting people sure. than me, hopefully. No, 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 Rick, you're the most interesting person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, they are super smart people in this business. That's, and and they have amazing, a quite yeah. interesting thing to say. Uh, maybe not always right, but they definitely. are pretty interesting. No, definitely. I think what's amazing is most of the people in the sector in solar, I feel like, are... They're trailblazing. They yeah. love the complexity and basically building and passionate about renewable energy so, and sustainability. Very true. And it's only the beginning. Yeah, it's only the beginning of a very long growth cycle. So. True. It will be pretty bumpy. It is pretty bumpy. It has been pretty bumpy, but that's okay. That People are working around the bumps or the challenges or the hurdles. And market after market sort of succumbs to the PV revolution. Definitely. I don't want to sound too revolutionary. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's great because it's still growing exponentially, even with as a growing industry. And I think, as you talked about, we're not that far away from grid parity in mm. a lot of places. Yeah. And once that happens, then it's going to even grow even faster than we could comprehend. So. It, yeah, it, that, that's true. For development banks, for example, when I bring them to an emerging market, they are quite straightforward they, they want to have a nice decent framework like sure. risk assessment and legal structures right but for them what really assesses if it's interesting or if it will happen is, is pv more affordable than other energy sources yeah. because if it's not if they have to subsidize it or then they sure. will sooner or later probably squeeze, squeeze it, a bit. it yeah yeah if it's cheaper than coal then they will squeeze coal oh yeah that's definitely. basically that's, yeah, basically. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what's happening i know like in the u.s markets a lot of Coal plants have been shutting down because wind and solar are a lot cheaper, even obviously natural gas. It doesn't make sense from an economic perspective, not just based on it being a dirty form of fuel and the pollution that it creates. So it's interesting, based on pure merit, that this is happening. True. So. And then if you only are left with a technical constraint, like how do we deal with this intermittent sources? Well, that's the beauty of... These engineers working around on the clock, yeah, sure. on the clock. like they, they can solve technical issues. If the constraint is technical, we can address it. Definitely. And that's, that's the innovation. That's what, what happens. Oh, yeah. Be I mean, storage of some, or something way smarter that we have not foreseen. Yeah, the innovation is pretty amazing. What's yeah. happening? Yeah, I said it will continue. Definitely. Well, this has been an amazing interview, Rick. I mean, I feel like we've talked about a lot of different things and you added a lot of perspective and value to it. And I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, but that's also the downside. I, I cannot stick to one topic if you start speaking about PV industry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here in Bogota, and then we're coming to the Philippines. Like. <laughs> but hey, I'm the same way. I, you know, so like, you know, looking yeah. from the interview, you could see your passion towards renewable energy, towards solar specific, which got you to mm. being solar, to organizing these conferences. And by the way, the conference just ended like an hour ago, and here Rick is after a crazy few days <laughs> agreeing to be part of this interview, and after an 18-hour flight that I bumped into him <laughs> and Tom on the customs line at 1.30 in the oh, morning. That wasn't one of my sharpest moments, so, though. So, yeah, and I recognize Rick's voice, even though he was speaking Dutch, <laughs> which was pretty amazing. You know? So, but, but no, I really appreciate it, and I think... If people want to contact you, where should they reach you? The Mavericks, that's what we call the podcast listener because it's the solar oh, yeah, no, no, podcast. Mavericks, thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can always email me, like, uh, of course, rikrick at solarplaza.com. Uh, feel free to reach out over Twitter or, or LinkedIn. Actually, it's Rick Tewen. You can find me. (laughs) (laughs) You want to spell your last name? We'll have this in the notes of the show, but obviously it's Rick, R-I-K, and then your last name. 
I'll, I'll let Rick do it because I wasn't doing a good job pronouncing it. So. It's T E E U W E N. And what events uh, Solar Plazas have coming up that, uh... um, that are worthwhile tuning in for or to keep track of? I think if you're based in the US, uh, Solar Asset Management North America is the, sure. one, is the biggest one we do, over 500 people. Uh, it's very interesting to everybody is there, so project developers up to the asset owners, and that play field makes it interesting. Uh, and that's March of 2019 in San Francisco. In San Francisco, yes. yes. Of course, if you were interested to eat good steak and meet me, then come to Argentina. I can highly recommend it in April, end of April. And I've been, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So uh, they do a great job. And I love Argentina as well. It, so. it, as well, Argentina is, is a different, is very different from Colombia. Very different Colombia, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's an amazing place, friendly people, good food, good wine. Oh. Oh, it's amazing. If it's you haven't had an opportunity to come to Buenos, they have it in Buenos Aires, yeah. which is an amazing city if you've never been to. And myself, I'm pretty interested in the market parity. We do some events on, on market parity in Italy and Spain. Spain is uh, also, I think, March, and then Italy again in June, and, and those are also interesting because that's really the forefront. That's the next step. That's probably the next phase for solar energy. Definitely. And that makes it interesting. It's kind of interesting because those markets are now coming back after having a feeding True. tariff and then it being quiet. Yeah, exactly. Now, like they, they cut uh, and they had taxes and they yeah. had the budget deficits on the highest level and the state wasn't happy with it anymore. So now it's back. That's great to hear. I'm excited to learn more about it. So thank you, Rick, for being on the Solar Maverick podcast. Thank you for having me here in Bogota. Yeah, Bogota. <laughs> Adios, hasta la vista. Tienen buen noche. Me llamo Rick. <laughs> Mucho gusto. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. 